Hello, everyone. Welcome to the World at War podcast. We have another fantastic show for you today. Um, but before we get into that, I want to mention a couple things. One, please hit the subscribe button. That really helps out the channel. Make sure you hit that little ring button. That way you know when new interviews and new videos are being dropped. Um, that's most important, to be quite honest, for the sustainability of the channel and to bring other amazing indie comic writers, creators, artists, all that good stuff to the show. Um, that is our goal, is to bring you the very best of who's making comics today. Um, on the other hand, um, I wanted to introduce you to our newest sponsor of the show, Cien Chilies. That's right. If you love hot sauce and you love the taste of adding something amazing to your tacos, your burritos, your hamburgers, or to any other meal, make sure that you go to cnchilies.com and you pick up. They have the Thai bird, they have the habanero, they have the jalapeno, they actually have a mustard seed as well, which is absolutely incredible. They're always throwing in really cool stickers and whatnot. And because they're a sponsor of the show at checkout, just type in comics and you will save 15% off your total bill. That's right, 15% off just from being a family member of the World at War um, Comics podcast. All right, today's guests are Joe Aubrey and Eric Peterson, two of the three co-creators of Space Bastards, one of my favorite comic books. Absolutely love it. Um, if you haven't read Space Bastards, you're really making a mistake. Um, it is so much fun. It really follows a, a group of misfits that are part of um, they are part of a, a postal service, an intergalactic postal service. And this postal service is a little unique because um, you are paid as a postal service worker by getting that package to the end user. But getting it from the person you picked it up from to that end user is extremely dangerous. It's passing hands constantly as other postal workers are trying to kill you to be able to take that package because these packages are worth a lot. And every time that package changes hands, um, the price goes up as far as the worth of the deliverance of that package. So I don't want to go into more detail. Please listen to this uh, um, this interview. We had a lot of fun. Two amazing human beings. I'm real hopeful that they will do a uh, a season two of Space Bastards. But man, we had a lot of fun talking about um, year one. And uh, I think you're going to really enjoy this one. Without further ado, here is Eric, Joe, and I talking about Space Bastards. Enjoy. Thank you. Well, hey everyone, welcome to the World at War Comics show. We have two special guests today. We have Joe Aubrey and Eric um, Peterson. Gentlemen, thanks for joining us today. Really excited to talk Space Bastards. Thank you. Fair too. Thank <laughs> you so much for having us. Yeah, man, it'll be a lot of fun. So uh, I guess maybe we could just kind of start at the beginning, man. How did all this happen? Um, the storyline, I, I just to preface, I saw some video on YouTube I don't know if you were going to create movies out of it first or what was going on, but it was awesome. And so I don't know what came first, issue one and Space Bastards or some of the, the clips that you created around some of the characters um, in live action. Are you talking about like the thing where like if you scan the QR code at the exactly. back of the comic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'll, I'll take that one real quick. Sounds um, good. I, I went to film school and I was like a TV producer for a little bit. And yeah. in my spare time... Um, I would make these short films and stuff. And around the same time of that, this was like 2004 or so, uh, I met Joe and, and we became fast friends. And 
the thing about making like short films in your garage or whatever, which most of those were, they were like, mm-hmm. we built like Davy Proton's like spaceship set and it was made out of like plywood and oh, wow. it, none of it's good, you know, but um, <laughs> basically it's like, the thing is, is like you, everybody thinks everybody wants to know like the Dawson's Creek kid. Like they think they do. They're like, I can't wait. I'm going to help you out with your movies and all that yeah. stuff. But they, and then they, they like spend a day, like a 15 hour day doing it. And then they're like, nah, screw this. Like I'm out. <laughs> and uh, Joe was one of the few people that like, just kind of like never seemed to get tired of it and was always sticking around. And um, originally uh, the space bastards concept in movies was like, I-, I wanted to make more Han Solo movies. Like understand this was like, you know, I mean, the prequels were out, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, we didn't have the Mandalorian and stuff. So like, for me, it was just kind of like, I, I want to not like in universe star Wars, but I just, I, I, I like this, like, like decrepit uh, system uh, or setting. And, and I, and I want people who are like smugglers and whatnot. And the easiest thing, Davey Proton was the main character. And basically it was like, this guy hates his job. And if I make him a postal worker, that's a perfect explanation for him to have to have a ship and then have like a MacGuffin, like have a thing to get from point A to point B. It was working with Joe throughout the course of that, when he came up with the ideas of the intergalactic postal service, you know, the, the idea of like this competitive, um, like, uh, bloodthirsty version of, of Lyft or Uber, you know? Um, and I think there, there was like one incredibly, we did a bunch of shoots. We did a bunch of little small episodes, but you know, it's, it's hard to do a sci-fi thing. You can try and make it look purposefully corny, like a Sam Raimi kind of thing, but it only Mm -hmm. takes you so far. And uh, after one especially difficult shoot, um, which was like, we almost had the cops called on us. <laughs> uh, my genitals got electrocuted at one point. <laughs> nice. whole thing. Basically, Joe and I were like, I had already started doing comics. I, I did another comic book series independently that, that had like, you know, moderate success. And I had known, met I, because of that, I had met people in the industry. Like I met Derek Robertson and, and all that stuff. And, and, you know, Joe and I kind of came to the conclusion that we were like, you know, if we made this as a comic, it would be a much better comic than it would be a no budget garage movie. And and that was kind of it. That was the birth of, of Space Bathers. And even then, that that's like that takes us like halfway there. I think that started in like 2014 or something like that. Really? Um, yeah. yeah. So a safer on the genitals too. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's my yeah. understanding. I haven't been yeah. hurt yet, so I've been reading yeah. comics a long time. <laughs> that's pretty awesome man so the the concept was already there um and the comic book came second then yeah 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 yeah, yeah that's awesome and then joe what about you how did you uh did you, were you in comics um before you met eric or was your first introduction in a comic creating with eric that was that was with eric yeah i mean i, I read comics didn't collect them you know or wasn't into it like like eric was and i read you know um, things that caught my eye, you know, back when, you know, and kind of, kind of uh, back in the '80s, you know, in the early '90s, and then kind of uh, fell away from it, uh, except for you know the the odd thing that was recommended to me. And uh, he had worked on this comic, and and you know, it made so much sense when we were sitting there with all this stuff strewn about, worried we were gonna, I was gonna, we was in my office building, we thought we were gonna get evicted, and 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 I thought, well. You know, it would be fewer moving parts if we could just work with an artist, you know, and and uh, and, um, you know, the writing was seemed was, was kind of simple. We did we didn't take the time to we were just ad libbing, you know, to, to involve all these people. We did write things out and and he uh, allowed me to contribute on some of that, like making outlines or dialogue and kind of, you know, work on it. And and uh, he I didn't understand any of the camera stuff, you know, or any of the editing uh, stuff, but some but some of the. 
um, or or the order in which to film it. But but the but the narrative uh, stuff kind of fell into place. And I kind of got the character and kind of got the feel of what we wanted, you know. And and what and we would we could see what we what we were attempting. And then what we got was so far from what we were attempting uh, <laughs> that you just that was just sort of a subtraction problem. And we could be okay, we'll just put that in a, into a comic. And uh, um, but it was a big curve too to uh, to to know how to write, um, you know, for for an artist and, and in in a you know a script for a comic. And uh, we went, you know, Eric knew knew that already. And, and um, you know, so initially I would just sort of read through it and edit or kind of ask questions or whatever and then uh, you know it took it, it took quite a bit of time I mean, that was the benefit to having the two of us writing together is you could kind of toss it back and forth and he was very patient because i would just give him just shit you know written on, on word or you know on an email a real long email and he would sort of take that and weave that back in you know the stuff that he thought was valuable or you know or whatever or would read it and and, and, and we could it, it was very collaborative and it kind of brought me up to to speed on that. But I, I mean, even now I feel like he, he's always got to be the one to kind of throw the ball into my backyard before I can get going on it. I, I don't know if I could really start it from scratch, you know, on my, my own. Joe's being, Joe's being really nice, but like the, I, I, we can't understate that. Like Joe and I are, well, well I, I don't know if it's because of me or not, but I, I, we don't really write the scripts until very, very late in the game for mm -hmm. us. The outline is everything. And our outlines are super detailed, like, you know, several pages long. I mean, I, I pretty much when we're, we're scripting it, I, I kind of am at that point, just solely thinking dialogue and shots, you know, cause mm -hmm. in, in comic scripts, you do have to call the panels out. Sure. Um. So the, the, the biggest value in terms of having another writer is that thing is that during that outline stage, having that person just volley back and forth. And, and even though, yeah, I mean, like we're working in Google docs or whatever during that stage, um, you know, you're, it's just, it's just a, it's a measurable, like how valuable it is to just have that sounding board. Like, I don't have to think of the audience. I don't have to think of readers. I don't have to think of anybody. All I think of is Joe and Joe and I have very similar, but very disparate tastes Joe said that he doesn't read a lot of comics. He actually knows more about certain genres of comics than I ever will. And, <laughs> and there's stuff that I read that Joe doesn't really, that I grew up reading that, that Joe's not really, um, it, it isn't his like slice, you know? And and so it's kind of like when we do that outlining and we're doing that writing, it's it's that thing of just vaulting the ball back and forth and trying to kind of like, like if I can make, if I can elicit a response out of Joe or if Joe can elicit a response out of me, then I know that we have something good. And, and there's, there's kind of a thing. There's like, like, every single one of those issues in year one, it's kind of like, we would have a finished script. Like we would think the outline's done mm -hmm. and then I would go to scripting and then you just know it. You would just be like, we're just not laughing or we're not yeah. getting that response out of each other. So that means it's not done. And so then mm -hmm. we take a step back and, and, and approach it. That whole um, structure, like that whole way of working is is different than when I'm writing alone. And, and, and because of that, it's like, it's just like the best thing in the world, you know? Yeah. Tommy, tap out too. If this is even longer than what you want. No, right this here. is beautiful. <laughs> I'm going to throw one more. <laughs> Please, yeah, no, this is awesome. But, but the other part of it that was a surprise to me, you know, okay, you know, maybe maybe we were able to work together and just think about each other. But when we started um, uh, submitting this stuff to artists, I mean, for Eric, you know, he kind of had an idea. Okay, what this is going to look like visually, you know, and and that was uh, uh, on a comic page, and I think I think. That still, um, it was really hard for me. And I, and I didn't know the artists as well as he did, the different guys we worked at, we worked on. I would kind of look at their stuff, but I, 
I really wouldn't know uh, their sensibilities. And a lot of times I hadn't talked to them or didn't know them like he did. And so I'd, yeah. I didn't really know what it was gonna, they were going to turn it into. Mm -hmm. But after seeing uh, Gabo or Derek, you know, who we worked with earliest on and, and then and the more artists we worked with and, and seeing getting their interpretations back. I mean, that really that helped me uh, figure out, OK, I mean, it is, it is different for every artist, but, you know, what ba what basic elements need to be in there and what you need to not say so that they can run with it. And um, yeah. that that that's, you know, a regular writer doesn't have to worry about that. They're just worried about punctuation and, you know, does everything make sense and what's their editor going to say. But when you when you then hand it off to it to an artist like it, it uh it, it takes on Nick. Oh, I, I overwrote that. I put too much into that. You know, I needed to let them breathe and interpret that. And and that that's it was a whole other dynamic. That's like a Z axis that that I, I didn't really think about um, uh, after trying to tighten down and control so much with the filming. You know, we we did right. so much. There was so much chaos. And then we would really try to lock it all down. And and with this, we needed to actually kind of step back a little bit. I think. Um, and even then, it's not all artists. Every single artist is different. So there's there's one. Yeah, we I would never script like we we would do an outline and we kind of like would outline the year, but we would never outline an, an issue until we knew the artist like yeah. this is, is going to be the Bisley issue, you know what I mean, or this is going to yeah. be Colin McNeil's issue or whatever. And then I would spend like weeks like only reading their stuff. I grew up reading a lot of 2000 AD and and Transmet and Vertigo books and stuff like that. So, uh, but I would like go back in and like only do that. So I'm kind of like thinking in terms of their mm -hmm. um, their eye. And then we went, so when we do the scripts, yeah, like I feel like at that point when I'm scripting, it's like I'm writing to Joe and then I'm I'm almost like a director writing to an actor. Like yeah. what's the direction I got to give to Bisley to get the best work out of him versus when I'm giving it to Derek or somebody, you know what I mean? Like everybody's, you, you really do get like a, if you do it that way, I do think you get like a really strong um, compass for mm -hmm. like, how to do it because everything and and, it, and i recently had to go back through the scripts and like kind of change them into something else for like another project uh -huh. and rereading them it is it, it, it does show like where you're like the sign the bisley scripts are totally different than like mm -hmm. colin mcneil scripts or the colin mcneil scripts are totally different than Derek robertson scripts you know the the, the direction is totally different yeah yeah i, I, I mean, promise that's the end of that question no <laughs> no i mean that is beautiful i mean that's what this is all about right is understanding the thought process that went into it um, because you've had a lot of success with it, as you should, because it's an incredible story. But uh, I think a lot of people want to understand is the mind that went behind that. And then the really the preparation and all the steps that you took. So I think that's fabulous. Um, you know, a lot as, of it, if it helps me, the only reason that we're we're so long winded on this is because like if I go to a bar in my neighborhood and, and they're like, you're the comic guy, aren't you? I'm like, yeah, they're like, <laughs> you're the writer. So that means you like put the words in the bubbles. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's it yeah. so we're like the air is thinner here where we're like no one understands what we do how, and like how did you find it Tommy, how did you how did you uh come come across it you know because it was a it was a you know an indie book how did you i mean you, i i can see yeah. you've got um the you know the decor the accoutrements of a, of a connoisseur behind you there I yeah tell, you know, I have a little bit of an addiction issue, but certainly uh, I, I love indie comics specifically because of stories like this. So obviously I'm a big DC fan, big Marvel fan. Um, I love some of the bigger independents, um, but you know, they're, they're really, they have to structure everything they do around Canon, right? They've been around for 80, 90 years. Right, There's right. only so much you could do with Superman. And I love that about that, right? Because I like who Superman is. So yeah. if someone comes in and all of a sudden, you know, Superman is functioning underwater like Aquaman, I'm going to have questions going, that's not Superman, right? That's Aquaman, right. right? So, but when it comes to like indie comics, you could, it really sky's the limit, right? You could create these stories 
And uh, you don't have that canon that you have to stick to. So that's why I love indie comics for one. But two, as far as Space Bass, the one of the things that I really enjoyed about Space Bass is really the character development. Um, there are core characters and some of them go, go through issues one through nine, right? Um, yeah. um, you look at Mana, what's his name? Uh, Manicorn. Yeah. Um, that guy is freaking awesome. And then, you know, looking at the video uh, that you did as far as the QR code with a little bit of hair that was sticking out. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, you, you kind of see... I mean, I love that because I saw where your vision was. And then to your point, right, you give that vision to an artist and here's what the artist produced out of that. And then you could go back and you could look at those two. And there's so many similarities that maybe you wouldn't thought of been there, but they are there. Right. right Which right. I love about that. Um, and as a comic book writer, right, um, you're limited by panel on how much you could say. Right. Because it's not a novel. Right. It is a comic right. book. So your right. art needs to tell a large portion of the story. I don't know if it's 50, 50, if it's 60, 40, whatever that is, but the art does need to tell some of that story. And when you have a really good artist and they're dialed in on what you're trying to do as a creator, man, it's just such an amazing dance between writers and an artist. And as a reader, you could feel that. And when you have an artist that maybe isn't in tune a hundred percent with where the story goes, you could also see that in comics. And you see that more on the indie side Although lately you're seeing a lot more of that on the DC and Marvel side because so many writers come in, then they go to Hollywood, and then a lot of the artists come in, they're bouncing around all the time. And that's not a knock on it. That's just the reality of the industry, right? People are looking for work and they're bouncing around. So they don't have this uh, marriage to the character. And you could see that sometimes in the reading because sometimes the panels don't match the writing. But you, especially the first five issues, because I think there was a lot of consistency. I think you went with there was a different artist, Beasley, right, in six. So you could see that there was a little bit of a change. And that's not bad. It just, it just took a little change. But in the first five issues, I mean, you could see all the way through one through five, there's such a consistency between all the characters and the writing, which I, I, I love. I don't know if I answered your question, Joe, but um, yeah, yeah I, I, I could really tell when an artist isn't aligned with, with the messaging. Um, yeah. because it comes out in the art and all of a sudden you're like you're saying this but the, the character is doing something completely different right so you found were you a fan of Derek's or something and, and you you heard about it or you just saw it on the shelf or what, what where did where did how did you come across it yeah so i came across space bastards actually on you um not youtube on ebay so i was farting around on ebay just looking wow. for different uh comics and space bastards came up i looked at this cover and i said i gotta have that so i ordered one um, and I read it and I fell in love with it. So I went to my local comic store. This is about a year and a half ago or so. Wow. He goes, oh, yeah, Space Bastard has been around for a little while. And in his bin of back issues, he had a couple others. I, I don't know which issues he had, but I picked those up, went back to eBay and then filled out the rest of the collection wow. so that I could go yeah. back and read it all. And man, I just I just loved it. And, uh, you know, so later on, through a whole bunch of other stuff, I created a podcast to really focus on indie comics and interview indie comic creators, writers, and artists. And, uh, you know, I've had this in my bin for a while. I'm like, man, I'm going to reach out and just see what happens. You never know if someone responds. Yeah. And thank yeah, goodness you guys really responded because I am a big fan and I, I love um, what you both created. And I'm hoping that one day maybe there's more. So do we. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I, you, don't have to, you don't have We've to say anything more than that. that. That says it all right there. I mean, as long as there's a desire there, because I think you have a pretty good fan base and with the graphic novels, the hardbound that came out right now, um, I, I think that's an amazing addition to a collection and then pre hopefully prepare for a uh, year two. Yeah.
Absolutely. One thing I'll just mention real quick, because yeah. now that I know kind of how you found it and all that stuff too. So you mentioned the art change after yeah. issue five. So mm-hmm. originally um, the way that we had constructed it was like, I guess what you would call issues one through five. And then the two parter that comes later, you know, the uh, like arcs, the Derek's Derek's uh, work. Mm-hmm. And when we realized like he was going to need more time to do it and whatnot, that was kind of when Joe and I were like, man, you know, it'd be really cool to like work with a lot of my heroes, my other, art, you know, art heroes and have the either origin stories or side stories that kind of weave in and out of that. Right. And so first one we did was Chuck with Simon and then, um, or no, actually, no, that's not right. Chuck was later. It, it was, we did Resurrection Mary first. And, right. right. And yeah. then, uh, which isn't in any of the single issues. And then, um, and then uh, Bisley, I met Bisley and, and he was like, yeah, I'll, I'll work on some. And then we ended up doing three issues with Bisley and then uh, Boo Cook and, and, and uh, Clint Langley, who's been wonderful and everything. It was kind of cool to like, sort of like orchestrate these sort of yeah. stories that weave in and out. And then when we realized we were telling things out of order, um, first thing I think we did was create the hardcover order, which volumes one through four and the hardcovers kind of do, uh, I'll take the first volume, for example, it does issues one and two, and then it does the Chuck story, which is vastly different, but it has a purpose. It ties into issue two, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, yeah. so our logic was like, if we can throw a curveball and readers by still stick through it or whatever, then we can do whatever we want. You know, we know that we, that we know that they'll trust us. Mm-hmm. And so we did more and it wasn't until we worked with humanoids that we were like, let's do kind of like one through five. And then there's kind of like a logical point there where things change mm-hmm. at the end of five. And then we'll dive into some of those side stories. Yeah. Same thing. There's some, there's some readers I find that kind of go, Oh, I'm lost now. And then yeah, but yeah, yeah. luckily the, the greater majority, I feel kind we of stick it. around and check it out and, and dig yeah. it. So, yeah. No, I mean, I, when you get to issue six, there is a big change. Um, but I actually really like that story, and the art was perfect for the story that you were telling. I think it was think so too, what was yeah. his name, Chuck the Magic, uh, Chuck the Magic Wagon. Wagon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a trip, man. I loved it. Yeah. It was an awesome so, character. Anyways, I just wanted to tell you that for that, like the 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 reason why those changes happen and like why we, that's... we would have changed the, you know, we would have. So we we did that. We're like, ah, you know, it's so jarring. It is very different. And then uh, then we began thinking, like, you know, it, it was also delightful to see you know, two different or three different artists render the same characters. Cause then you start to see yeah. the char- characters almost become, you know, bigger. There's certain elements like you were talking about with the video, you know, there's certain elements that get carried across yeah. different artists. And, and it, that was, that was, that was really nice. And you could see how these artists saw the story and saw their character. And so the initial, the original idea was, uh, you know, we'll, we'll flip in and out of these side stories, you know, uh, early and frequently, but, but yeah. because it was a monthly book, rather than the binge model we have with the with the hardcovers to hold on to the readers from month to month that artwork needs to be consistent we really need to hook them and keep them on board and and Derek's you know doing five issues of Derek before and then there's a kind of a logical break like you guys are saying the story before we divert off was the way to do it uh, you know mm-hmm. the way they felt like they should do it and, and I still feel like like the hardcover order is kind of my perfect order but it's okay. you just I don't think it works like Joe's saying I don't think it works in a monthly periodical release that way yeah um, but the cool thing about it is, is that, that by the end of the whole first year run, it was really cool to see two different readers. Like you would get the people who read it hardcover and then you get the people that read it month to month. And it's like the views sometimes align and then they're kind of different. And some people know things that other people don't. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Especially if you brought issue six into issue three in the hardcover, right? All of a sudden yeah. right here, you're, you got 
I mean, was that three months worth of storytelling that has now been changed for that uh, person who's buying it on a monthly basis? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I was still a lot of fun, man. I really enjoyed it. So as far as character development, what I would love to know um, next is um, how far in advance did you know the core characters? Probably like five or six characters that are core throughout the whole thing, right? Did you have that development of those characters when you were doing, you know, videos in your garage and then that became part of the comic book or as you wrote issue one, you started adding new characters? Manny, Manicorn and, and Davey were, were essentially, you know, yeah. you know their, their, their basic attributes were, were, were there, I think. I mean, some of their motivation we, we changed, you know, when the universe got fleshed out a little differently. But, the, but their, their rivalry, that tension between them was there from, from, from kind of from the beginning when we had, when we, once we got Manicorn in there. I think the, the ensemble cast idea uh once we you were mostly there but they were changed like leroy was always gonna be around when we get to him but we never did and yeah. then by the time that we were working with derek and he was actually designing the visual look of the characters that's kind of when like um for me it's mcnulty he looks like mcnulty to me and I, <laughs> like so like for me it's like, it, yeah. like that. then i was like i was like that's leroy then or whatever yeah. or, or or likewise the thing of like you know manny was based on a real person uh -huh. so i think originally we were thinking he was human and he did. He was just like a big guy with a weird haircut. And then it was Derek that turned him into an alien. And 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 then we're like, God, and it just, it's just you go through that process and you're like, oh, that's like perfect or whatever. Yeah. Zordak was a little bit different. Roy, Roy always existed in the so movie. No, right. I, I played him in the movies, but I had him more as like a Ron Burgundy type. And he, <laughs> he he didn't really transform into like I know how Roy walks now. Like and I know how he sounds. And that was really issue two i mean that was really issue one and two like getting to that comic stage and going like oh he's, he's shorter actually than i imagined and he kind of walks like um raul duke you know what i mean he, he walks like like hunter s thompson's character in fear and loathing in las vegas you know like, like stuff like that he he there's there's like little gaps that i think get filled with when yeah. the artists start designing you know it was but it was during that outline phase and and after we really established okay this is an ensemble group kind of thing more so than just than just focused on davy uh yeah that um layla and some of these other characters came in and we really knitted it all together and, and we we gave them all you know eric's thing was you know they they, they get what they uh you know they uh get what they need but they don't get what they want you know uh you know we'll get what they deserve maybe <laughs> they don't get what they want and, and uh and uh getting that, what they're getting what they set out to do doesn't mean what they think it means so they accomplish yeah. goals but it, it it now they have more to deal with or it's it's there's consequences of it you know that was like a big thematic thing for us yeah like where do we want them all to end up and i i think uh you know some of the little details i think uh you know you know, we're, we're, we had, we made some changes, you know, but, but, but for the most part, uh, once we were engaged with Derek, it, it would, just really nice. Nice, huh? yeah, that Did whole you, process was really great. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, Eric, sorry. No, 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 that's okay. I was just saying that whole process too, when we were translating the characters uh -huh. to get the official designs from Derek, I mean, that was like, that was a several month long process and it was like really, really cool. It was awesome to just see that work, you know? Yeah see that uh, character come to life right yeah yeah it yeah. did you um notice from fans certain characters that stood out as favorites of the fans that maybe you were surprised about i don't know if surprised but yeah 
there's definitely there's definitely like the top three like there's the ones that stuck out where i was like yeah all right and what's funny about it what, what is funny about it is demographics i will say that i was okay surprised by that. interesting yeah. Yeah. Can you, can you go into a little more detail of who the three were and the Democrats? Yeah, women, kind of? Well, I'll tell you the big one. Women love Zordak. And it's I think that's the <laughs> funniest thing in the world to me. It's like, it makes no sense to me yeah. at all. I get that he's cute. You know, I understand. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, he's easily the weirdest and also, yeah, like, for sure. You know, I, I didn't think that it was going to fly. I mean, I was really scared uh, about yeah. that because yeah. he kind of thought this is going to be Jar Jar. You know, we're going to be, we're going to, yeah. we're going to really be fucked here. The speech and everything it may it may be too much you know maybe yeah. too much and it, and it maybe but maybe this is too much we just lean into it and and uh when that uh when that went that third issue by the time that by the time that came out and like we weren't getting destroyed you know when people yeah. weren't like what happened you know when, when that when that and then yeah the um and the, and then even the fourth issue with that cover and everything i i think yeah. that um yeah, I don't. It was I feel like you. You all embrace that this is bigger than we thought it was going to be an issue for yeah, to put wow, them on the cover we have, we like that. Mayor, we have a mayor McCheese now. We've got like a we got a <laughs> we got a we got a there it is. Yeah, we, we have we can throw that thing out there and you know people understand. But I think Derek likes that character the best. That's the yeah. one he really relishes drawing. That's the one he identifies with. It's 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 it's, it's really strange, you know. And he, I think he puts so much heart into it. And and the acting, you know, like it, this thing's got a butthole mouth and an eye like <laughs> a spider, you know, and tentacles. But but it, you know, it's like surprised and like pissed yeah. off and like afraid. And and yeah. it's it's it, and he he will draw it with you know with reactions to, to a human, so you know what is emotion what is emotion is supposed to be but he did such a good job with that that, it, that you're just kind of like oh okay you know and i i think i think without the art it, it, the way that it was it wouldn't have worked you know yeah. there's a weird thing with zordak too where it's like like just going back to the the female thing as well is that like if we were to take leroy and zordak it's like i think zordak's actually potentially the more dangerous maybe uh but for some reason I think women would feel safer around Zordak. And they, <laughs> yeah. like, like, like Zordak's probably not going to roofie them, you know? Yeah. And like he's yeah. just a little bit, like I can't call Zordak creepy or shady yeah. or anything like that. I just call him, you know, he's just weird and he's just uh, almost affable in his infantile kind of, yeah. uh, um, I don't even call it humor. It's just how he is. Whereas like the other characters, certain other characters, you're like, no, nah, that, that's a shitty dude. I mean, that's a, yeah, guy that's a terrible, terrible human being. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's the, awesome. the, the, you know, there, there was an early email. I don't, I don't know where we were. I think it was an Ashcan, or we, or we, or Eric and I were just discussing something. I remember he emailed me one time and he had said, "Well, you know, everybody loves Roy." And this was we didn't, we we hadn't published anything. I mean, people had read maybe a prototype, and I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Everybody, <laughs> who like three people that have read our, you know, but I didn't, you know, I didn't call him out on. But then, you know, issue two comes out, and again, you know, before Zordak, even I thought, "Oh fuck," you know, this is going to be this is going to be a problem, you know, this, yeah. this, you know, cause this is, we're doubled down on this guy, you know, hopefully people understand, you know, that he's, uh, you know, he's just, just a, a prick, you know, he's just yeah. an ass. And, uh, and so I was surprised by that. And a lot of people really like Roy, you know, they, they yeah. just really like him. And, and, and people will pick up the book and be like, I'm feeling this guy here in the back, you know, they'll say that, you know, which is, <laughs> you know, and it's just Roy pointing at them, you know, uh, yeah. like uncle Sam. And uh, so that, that's, um, Again, I you know got to credit Eric with I mean with Derek with that with the uh, visual the the look of it, but um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's that's surprising. Manicorn, I thought people would like you know because it's just Derek doing what he does best, rippling you know veiny arms and oh, you know, yes. violent, crazy, chewing a cigar. Yeah. 
but you know, um, but you know, people responded well to the characters. I mean, they don't, they don't none of them seem to be grating or or or, or, bother, or bother people, and uh, that's and, and those two, I think, were you know, are are hard to like, uh, and and that was a surprise. There's there's uh, a weird math with that stuff too, where like like I'll take Roy, like mm-hmm. he's got a lot of behavior that is deplorable and certainly not stuff we would advocate but like uh once you put those guys up against wayne who actually is like i think morally arguably a better like he has less deplorable behavior but he's less morally aligned what it does is it serves as kind of a mirror so all of a sudden like there's this whole thing that zordak says later on where he's just like roy doesn't think twice about you but you're obsessed with getting rid of the postal service so the thing is, is like what that does is it's like every single deplorable character we have in terms of their habits and their lifestyle, et cetera. You still do have like a center thing with all of them where they're like, they're just guys trying to find their way in the universe and they feel outcast and they feel like, um, you know, disenfranchised. And like you, you, you can do, you can take it a long way. Yeah. Not too far, but there's a certain level you can take it to where once people see that reflection and they go like, okay, like, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, it's the same reason why, like, Tarantino characters are, like, still yeah. like, or, like, why we watch Breaking Bad or something, too. You yeah. Know? You almost end up pulling for some of them, too, right? Yeah. Like, those kind of connections are made. And even though they're terrible as an individual, when you see their situation, what they're going through, and what they're just trying to accomplish in life in general, just to get by, um, as deplorable as they might be, you, you, you find yourself kind of hoping that they pull through. Right. Even though they probably deserve to be the next one to have a grenade thrown at them as they're all going toward a package or something. Right. We that Leroy, that Leroy bit in the um, second to the last issue, mm-hmm. like um, without spoiling it, but like that yeah. moment with Leroy and the camp to yeah. me, is, yeah. it's one of my favorite moments because it makes me laugh really hard. And it was it was hilarious when Joe pitched it to me. Yeah. And then it was hilarious. I was sitting on a plane next to Derek when he read it on the script and so i got to watch derek's reaction where he's just like wait no wait oh (laughs) the 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 the, my favorite thing about it is the fact that it's not only like really kind of like juvenile funny but also relatable relatable like like we've all been like summer camp and not wanted to be be there but then there's this other side to it from a character standpoint where it's like we're doing something that's really shocking and crazy but it actually does serve the character because you know, Leroy gets his moment. Like Leroy gets that moment where you're just kind of like, I think this dude probably, I mean, like, I think he hates women. I think he's got a lot of issues, <laughs> but, but the, the, the hand's been dealt and like, there's nobody else that can um, help that situation. And and despite being the kind of character he is, you chip all that away and he's going to, he's going to help that situation. He's going to do it his own way and it's destructive and it's terrible, et cetera. But I do think with readers like that, that again, it's like, you're like, all right, like that's where we are, you know, with yeah. these guys. <laughs> yeah. No, so true, so true, so true. So as far as uh, the the character development, right, we have about those six or seven characters. How difficult is it to develop characters outside of that core that maybe kind of intertwine throughout the nine issues, but maybe don't have a lot of focal point? How do you stay focused to remember who they are? Or is that an issue? Do you have an example? Um, like see. Woodrow or like the like yeah, the, exactly, like, exactly, Joe. Woodrow yeah, or Mr. Radish maybe. Mr. Or Radish, like, yeah, or, yeah. Or uh, you know some of the other because that's a big part of a storytelling too, right? You have the character development of the characters that are going to help 
take you through the entire story. But even those characters need characters around them to help uplift them um, to a certain extent, right? That way they remain the main characters and you could kind of allow them to shine even though in a terrible way in a lot of uh, instances. Um, I still think just the world building maybe is a better way to put it around all of these is just absolutely incredible as well. Um, how much time did you spend on that outside of those core characters in the main story? So I think Woodrow, Woodrow's a kind of an interesting example because like he's, he, he's functional, like he uh -huh. serves a function and, and, and the, the function really is bolstering Wayne and being there. But then he also, uh, there was a point when Woodrow, Woodrow was not the guy that fires um, or lays off Davy. It was going to be somebody else, just like uh -huh. another boss. Right. And so like, we decided kind of actually late in the game um, to make it Woodrow. So that way he's consistent through the whole, he like plays a function through yeah. the whole narrative, not just being like uh, Wayne's like white right hand guy. Um, and then, and then without spoiling again, but what happens to him? I mean, that's the other yeah. thing. It's tough because it's kind of like, yeah, like to your point, we don't want to detract from the story and give you like Woodrow's like backstory. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but at the same time, it was important that he, plays enough of a role functionally to bolster Wayne and then to also like play a role in like Davy's life. And then like that's in Radish, maybe a little bit le to a lesser point, but Radish has this big fight with, you know, who as well. So, um, and actually Radish's like, like biological story um, came in late in the game. Mm -hmm. And that was again, functional, right? Like yeah. by, by us creating, by us adding that to Radish and really cementing him that way, it actually kind of like, ties into Manny's backstory. And so now he plays a function as well. So we'd have the, you know, we were, what gave us the ability to do that also. And I, I don't know if you're referring to since so some of the side stories, like when we, when we did uh, the, the, which I don't know if you have the resurrection Mary side story where there's a lot of compete that would have a side bet between all these postal carriers or what we mm -hmm. had, uh, or, um, the uh, Calto and Manny the story together, where he where he had Calto had a kind of crew with these with these uh, other prisoners that were there with him. You know that he kind of uh, rallied those guys. I mean, you, you know, you had we kind of thought about it like, well, you know, what who what kind of characters have we already seen Calto was kind of a minor character in the in the in the main arc. What, what kind of characters have we seen him be around, and and then what happens when we shine a light on him, and what kind of people can we put in there that are different, you know, but that yeah. support him and, and emphasize who he is, and so it still relates to the characters we really care about. You know, we, we, right. we put these guys in orbit around them to, to highlight, you know, their individuality, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, and then even in the individual seven issues, you know, we kind of hone in on, on, a, on a particular character or, or, um, uh, you know, hone in more on Roy or whatever. And, and so some of the other characters, you know, even like Manicorn's in that issue yeah. too, which a lot of people forget, but he's, he's in there yeah. and you, you recognize him, but, but he's, he's really there just to show you, the length that Roy will go to, you know, so he yeah. we kind of we kind of pull him down and 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 water him down a little bit to or or angle him to show a different um, to to tell Roy's story better. So you know, you would just sort of change the focus a little bit in the main arc, and then some of those other characters just kind of get born out. And a lot of them I really like. I mean, come on, we kill, and you know they don't make it. And a couple of them I, I see, you know, I think like yeah. they probably made it into the service, or they're probably still out there somewhere, and they need to be you know brought back in and would be brought back in in a subsequent year you know or, yeah. or you know if 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 Calto had his own um uh you know title you know that you know a bunch of those guys would be in there you know or yeah. you know, they, would, they would be part of it you know but i can see them weaving back in if they say if they live a lot of these characters you know don't live very long in this universe yeah. 
Yeah. Well, especially those first two issues, boy. I'm, I'm, I remember reading them, going, man, there's gonna be nobody left by the time we get to like yeah. issue three, <laughs> which yeah. is a lot of fun, man. It's just so cool, man, so cool, and that freedom to be able to do that because a lot of times in comics, right there, there isn't, there isn't really, um, especially with the main characters, right, and, and I guess in any story the same way, but. There really isn't at the end of the day, right? You know, nothing's going to happen to that character because the comic book is written around that character. Whereas especially the first couple issues, I don't think most readers of space bastards had that kind of confidence that some of the characters that they saw and there's like a different type of stakes as you're reading the comic book, because you don't want to get too emotionally attached to any character because you don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I do believe that that is the power of Space Bastards as well. And you've seen it in other movies, too, um, on HBO. And, you know, they've done a really good job where no one's safe kind of type thing. Right. Um, yeah. So you're really dialed in to get as much out of that character as you can, because you don't know if they're going to be here the next episode. I felt the same way with Space Bastards, um, which was pretty awesome. Wow. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so as far as... Uh, maybe what's next I, i'm sure you're limited on what you're able to say but i you one of the first questions i asked was do you think we'll ever get more and there's a desire for more do you already kind of have an idea that if you do have more what direction you're going to go not that we need to talk about that but do you kind of already have an idea of what that is just in case that happens yeah oh excellent <laughs> yeah yeah that's so cool man yeah i mean, I mean the um I mean, we, you know, things are different at the end. Yeah. You know, and, and, and very you know, different. And uh, I think, I think, uh, you know, there, there's some other types of characters that could be, that could be inserted and uh, kind of added in. And, uh, but I think also the, you know, the service is in a whole different, uh, you know, set of hands at the end of this. And, um, you know, at, at the end, you know, I think the thing you, even though you can't, you may not have, been able to root confidently for any one particular character to survive. We really want everybody to root for the service to survive, you know, the, yeah, exactly. the postal service, because that's the, that's the engine, you know, that, that has to live. And, and yeah. if everything else changes, as long yeah. as that is there and some, there's some version of that, then, then, you know, I think the reader stays engaged, but, um, but there are, there, you know, there are other kinds of threats that we can, uh, you know, that we can uh, subject it to, you know, internal threats, you know, changes mm -hmm. in the system, you know, whatever that, that you know, we'll, we'll, these guys will resist or, or not do well with. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, so we thought through some of that and uh, awesome. thought about what we want to happen with our characters and, you know, and, and uh, you know, there's a lot of stories to tell here. We'd really like to keep doing it. Yeah, that would be amazing to keep uh, reading it for sure. Where where did you know that this was like a huge success? Was it right off the bat after issue one? You're like, wow, this was this is bigger than we thought it would be. Or did it take a few issues to kind of build and get the word out? Like, what was your experience on those first couple issues? I think I think to answer your first question, I mean, we're still waiting. I think like 2025, yeah. maybe. We'll, we'll <laughs> Uh, um, no, I mean, we knew there were a few things. It was like um, people, the volume one hardcover came out before the humanoid stuff and uh, to a very small audience, like a few hundred people. And um, the response to that over, it, mostly, it was mostly overseas, uh, was really positive. And then 
there were definitely a lot of independent publishers who were interested in it. And then some that surprised us where we thought they would be interested in it, but they weren't. So of course on our end, we like start having like questions of validity. You know what I mean? We're like, maybe we're, you know, maybe we've got like a big pimple on our face and we can't see it or something. Yeah. You know, what I mean? it's just, it's, it's, it's weird. And then it was like, the cool thing about the humanoids thing at the time was that Mark Wade was the publisher. Mm-hmm. And so very early on in that whole process, we had a meeting with him and it was clear that he really got it and he got it in a way like when Joe talks about space bastards, I know I'm like in good company. Like he gets yeah. it from yeah. top to bottom. Right. And, and Mark Wade was really similar. So then we were like, okay, well that's cool. Like we're not, we're not crazy. We're not like screaming this and nobody's picking up the vibration. You know what I mean? Everybody's, yeah, you know, and then, yeah, and then, yeah, it was like issue number issue one numbers were really, really good. And we knew that was going to be palpable. It was also weird though, because understand when it first came out, it was like, early 2021 so it was right after the pandemic well um, you know what i mean like right after lockdown year and all that and yeah. so it wasn't like we had um conventions to go to yeah. to immediately be like these are the people that have been buying it at the stores it wasn't until i'm trying to think what my first convention was i want to say it was new york 2021 maybe when i went out there and people were coming up with issues for me to sign and i was like holy crap these people exist like it's like, <laughs> yeah you know? yeah, so, yeah yeah that's so cool Oh, yeah. you, Joe. Do you have the same kind of feeling about it? Yeah, I think I think that endorsement from Mark Wade was 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 quite. Wait, Mark was Wade funny. is like very high on the totem pole I mean, of uh, writers for me, to be honest, as a DC fan. Me too. Yeah, yeah, I mean, he was very complimentary uh, uh, of the um, you know the writing of the first issue. You know, it was just really it was really sweet, and he sent us a little sent me a, you know sent us a little cover with a little handwritten note, and you know, I mean, maybe that's what publishers do. It's just part of the formula to kind of keep you in there, you know, whatever. But it was, it, I mean, it, it was it was really really nice. He was always really good, and and he and he clearly got the book and and, and read it. And I think there was that, and you know, there were a couple of early reviewers with the, the hardcover before we were with the publisher. It was a guy um, named Carl at Shelf Abuse, and another guy at uh, You Don't Read Comics, Russ Russ Bickerstaff. And mm. I've sent those guys books, you know, because they they. They read the books and were and were gave us detailed, serious reviews. Took it seriously and read the books and and wrote these long reviews. I mean, they're busy guys. You know, they were reviewing other stuff. They're getting sent material all the time. And I often had to reread those reviews while writing um, subsequent issues and while submitting to publishers and getting rejected and getting everything else, arguing with Eric and whatever. I and I you know I'd read those just to. Um, because they were so thoughtful and so, um, uh, you know, they, they clearly got it. And it was very reaffirming. It was very, you know, affirming. I, it was just, it was really helpful. I really appreciated it from those guys. And uh, um, I think, I think now seeing people at shows and, and all that um, sort of, uh, you know, and hearing, hearing even somebody talk about the characters or mention the character's name. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, it's, this is something that was just been in our brains, was in our brains for like eight years before anybody even read anything. And so, hear someone else even say the name of the character mentioned Zordak or or Kalto I remember somebody did an interview and I mean not to and again to be late make this question answer even longer oh, no, it's it's good. there was an online interview we did one time and, the, and this guy um, uh, uh, I think it was traveling root beer or it might be uh, I think it was traveling root beer it said he was one of those guys from um, uh, Sparks those those guys one of those there's these four guys that um, at the time were uh, regularly going on interviewing people but he said he said at this point, it's a brand. I mean, he, we didn't we didn't ask him anything, but he's like, uh, like issue four or something, or maybe it was issue five. The first one with Simon drawing it, and he's like, it doesn't matter. He goes, at, yeah. at this point, Space Bastards is a brand, and that that was a. Uh, um, I, I remember that very vividly, which is you know he's a random dude, but he but he knew what yeah. he was talking about. Yeah. 
Uh, that's awesome. I mean, that's very rewarding. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's that thing. I think the the biggest ingredients for us, like externally, has always mm-hmm. been when we when we we see a review or somebody. It, it could be that. It could be Mark Wade or whatever. But it's like that's the connective tissue between it all. It's like whenever we know that, like we're not whatever we're screaming is being heard the right way. Like that's yeah. a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like whenever somebody says Leroy's last name to me, I get like really surreal. Like I'm like, <laughs> like you remember my character's last name you know I mean? <laughs> or, or it's like, it's, it's when people understand the thematic work behind it or whatever, it's like any of that little stuff where you're just kind of like, Oh no, I can care. I, I can tell that you care about this on a level more than just yeah. spending two seconds looking at the art, every page or whatever, which the art's fantastic. I, I love all of our artists, but it's like anytime that we know that it's resonated with somebody. Yeah on the same wavelength at which we constructed it that's like okay cool we're not like wasting our time yeah, yeah. So, so we love these videos and these 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 interview shows and the, and the video reviewers you know the, the, those those comics elite guys uh, uh interviewed us said or not an interview but they interviewed us late at one point but they but they were reviewing issue five and they were talking about it and they got to the page where chuck's taking a, a piss in front of these children in an elevator and they're like <laughs> The first page, and they just start. They just break down laughing, and they can't continue their their <laughs> review. They're both yeah. just laughing so hard, and that 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 was uh, that was really nice. Uh, that that was. Uh, and there was a, there was another guy. I was like this old man. I don't remember who he is. He's an old dude. I mean, older than me. And, yeah. he, and he's sitting there reviewing it. And he goes, and uh, it was issue three. And he goes, and, and and they drug him, and then they burn down the whorehouse, and, he's, <laughs> and he just starts laughing. Oh, and I love it. Because I, I don't it. think I can explain it. He's just moving. <laughs> so funny. It's and, unexplainable, uh, man. That's 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 what I that's what we're yeah. you know we what we want you know. I'm hoping that happens. You know, when anybody sits down and reads, like, what the fuck? What's going yeah. on? Uh, I mean, I think that's the hook. To be quite honest, when you read that first issue, there is a "what the fuck is going on here" type of feeling that you get that wants you to continue to move forward, right? To like yeah. I gotta get issue two, and that's the thing that happened. I I had issue one. I'm like, well, I gotta get issue two. I'm like, damn it. So uh, I went on. I think I got issue two on eBay, and then went back to my store, and I had they had a few issues there. But either way, it was that hook of it's so outrageous in certain portions of it, specifically from a comedic standpoint, that mm-hmm. you're like, I I gotta keep going, man. This is too good. This is too good. Mm-hmm. It's just you don't see a lot of that in comics um, very often, especially done well. I mean, we know other comics that are similar to that, like The Boys, and there's some that have done it really well, but Space Bastards, you guys just nailed it, man. That, that comedic timing and the everything about it, man. The, there's enough gore and enough comedy to keep me hooked, man. I love both those two <laughs> things you. are really important, yeah. That's <laughs> very nice. Yeah. How often are you all doing shows right now um talking about your hardbound and and anything else that you're doing are you still doing quite a bit of shows throughout the year or are you kind of slowed down um in 2023 around there we need to do more for sure um it's hard i mean some genius decided to make our prime export like three pounds you know what i mean like it's a huge hardcover book and so the problem is is that like san diego i just did san diego Mm comic-con that's easy enough I can yeah. stock up my car, drive it out there. I'm all right. Even though like San Diego is expensive and I, the, the, the hotel we stay at is expensive, et cetera. But then like, I miss New York. I haven't, I didn't do New York last year. And I like, New York's like one of my favorites and, and Emerald city is one of my favorites and all that. But then it, there's always awesome. the problem of like, how many books can we take on a plane and how do we get them there safely? And how many do we actually need to 
sell to make it profitable. It's 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 a it's a logic thing we haven't quite solved for yet. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely a math uh, equation that needs to be figured out. Totally, yeah, yeah. We've done some local shows. I mean, there was I think there's a there's mm. Arizona the Arizona Comic Book Arts Festival that that that'll be yearly. That was really good. We did that earlier this year, and we we do appearances at the local comic shop when they have free comic book day. We had a um, we went out to the um, not this year, but the Comic Con Revolution in um, in on oh, Ontario. Yeah, in Ontario, we were there last year. Um, you know, and that's drivable. We can we can pull that off. That was a pretty good show. And yeah. Emerald City, and you know, some of these are just I don't know, kind of too far. If we have more to, uh, I don't know. I'd like to go to all. Eric for a while there. Eric was going to everything, man. He would go to. He went to Enniskillen, uh, Ireland, Northern Ireland. He went to uh, really. Yeah, he went to Law. What was that Lawgiver? What was the What was the Law? Oh, yeah, there's like a Law. 2008 center centric kind of show that's out in um, UK, man. In, in the UK as well that I love going yeah. to. I was supposed to go there this year, but same thing. I had to cancel on them, which sucks. But I, we like did the math, and I was like, airfare internationally plus trying to get enough books there. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. Yeah. But, that being said, though, is that we are actually making headway in terms of figuring out kind of like UK distribution and other ways for us to like have books there already, and sure. um, that'll really help. So we don't yeah, have to make yeah. we don't have to make money on all these shows. But we you know we have to. Yeah, certainly don't want to walk away losing a ton either, though. Losing a shitload of money on every show. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah unfortunately i mean i'm in it as a as a fan so uh i wrote a comic book but uh it'll be a while before i ever make any money but uh when you have you know when you get scale like this it makes it a little bit easier but then like you said packaging delivery all of a sudden you have new forms of a uh, cost that eat away at your profitability so it, it gets a little tough for sure yeah yeah well, very good, gentlemen. I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed this conversation, getting to meet both of you. I'm a huge fan. Um, I'm ready whenever uh, you guys pick up the pen and uh, uh, Derek or whoever picks up the art. Uh, again, I'm ready for it, man. If there's anything I could do to help, please let me know. I would love to have you back on when things start getting rolling and you, and you do kind of have a path forward that you're ready to share with everybody. Love for you to come back on. Uh I know there's a lot of people, at least in my circle, that love uh, Space Bastards, and they're all pulling for uh, a season two for sure. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah, thank you very Any, much. Anybody, who, if they do want to support season yeah. two and help make it happen, go to spacebastards.com. Okay, on there, spacebastards. you buy the hardcovers. The hardcovers, 100% of that money goes directly towards funding uh, the artists and the printing for, for, for uh, season two. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah, I will definitely mention that on our social um, to get that word out there. Um, but yeah, gentlemen, thank you so much, especially late at night. I appreciate you coming on and thank you for the flexibility. And uh, man, have a great uh, weekend. Hopefully you get to enjoy some time not talking about Space Busters. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> we love to talk about it. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, you bet. Thanks, gentlemen. Appreciate it thank you very much. Thank you. All right.